today on CityCast Madison. It's Thursday, so of course, we're edition on Madison's food scene. Buying local's all the rage, but what about buying local grains? Wisconsin used to be one of the nation's top producers of wheat until corn and soy became the it girl commodity. Now, some farmers, millers, and bakers are moving to turn back the clock and up the local grain varieties in our market. CityCast Madison's Molly Stentz talked to our friend Lindsay Christians, food editor at the Cap Times, about the emerging local movement. It's Thursday, February 22nd. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Lindsay, hello. Hello. Nice to see your face. (laughs) It's good to be here, as always. (laughs) So you did this deep dive reporting on the growing number of local grain mills and grain producers. Why are they having a moment right now? So I think we are a little behind in a lot of ways. Uh, The movement in sustainable grain and regenerative grain uh, behind like the Northeast and the Pacific Northwest in California. But we're finally starting to build some of this infrastructure back again where we're seeing more mills. Like instead of almost none, we've got 10 or 20 in the state. And instead of uh, like the 30-some uh, partners, members of the Artisan Grain Collaborative, there are now more than 200. So we're starting to see this infrastructure grow. I think at the same time, you're starting to see consumer demand grow. Like people are interested in where the grains are coming from. They're seeing these bags of flour on the grocery store co-op shelves. They're seeing these, you know, maybe some of the bakers at the farmer's market are using more local grains. It's kind of coming up at the same time. So people who want to use local corn in their tortillas now have the option to do so. It used to be like, yeah, you want to do that, but the infrastructure isn't there. There's not the farmers who are processing that in the way that you would need it to use. So you don't really have the option. Yeah. I feel like back in the day, you could go to Madison Sourdough, right? And like they would talk about using local flour and maybe not that many other places. Not many. So Crest Spring is one that's fairly well established. And that came out of this this idea in the counterculture movement of the 60s of like these brown breads and everything very organic. And I think of them as being very heavy breads, you know. Nutrient dense. <laughs> yeah, nutrient dense. And I think Jeff Ford at Crest Spring kind of came out of that tradition and has been milling his own grains out there for 30 years, almost 30 years. So he is one of the original folks doing it. And then you had Lonesome Stone milling out in Lone Rock and that started really making local grains more available because all of a sudden the farmers had a reason to grow this maybe turkey red heritage wheat and then put it through and there's a mill that could process it. I think Madison Sourdough was one of the earliest adopters in terms of bakeries, like visible bakeries in Madison, where you could say, oh, I know a percentage of local grain is in this bread. And it makes it more interesting, more delicious, I think, in addition to everything else. And Andrew Hutchinson over at Madison Sourdough loved it so much and wanted to continue to up that percentage so that he eventually put in his own mill and he mills some of his own grains there. So when we talk about building local food infrastructure and more people getting into growing grains and milling grains and offering them um, for retail sale or for wholesale sale to bakery, 
what goes into that? Because I guess when I think about like artisan local food, you think of like handmade, small batch. And when I think of grain farming, I think of like huge combines, thousands of acres, highly mechanized, lots of equipment, very expensive. So how are they doing it? How does it work? It's a good question. Uh, Kirk Smock from Origin Breads talked a little bit about this, how when it comes to like local vegetables or even local meat, right? We can see sort of like, oh, like they grew it on that farm and then they harvested it with their hands or whatever, you know? Um, And our conception of flour and grain and ground corn and things like this is that it's really industrialized. It's really large scale. And there are challenges, I think, for some of these small and mid-sized, you know, farmers and millers who do want to scale up. So for example, Meadowlark Organics is getting a new mill. It's called, it's actually called New American, I think is the name (laughs) of the brand. (laughs) And it's going to be pretty much specifically for their bread flour, which is their top seller. And they're going to be able to mill basically twice the amount of grains that they've been able to. They've been planning for this for, I think, years. She said, finally, finally. (laughs) But it's going to allow them to up the scale of what they're doing and then approach more bakeries and say, you know, would you like to use a small percentage of this? It's not going to be something where you're going to see every bakery using local grains. And I don't think that's really the goal. But they want to scale up to the point where they can be like, hello, you know, you're mostly a white flour bakery and you buy our rye to make rye bread. But do you want to start including some of the rye in some of your cookies or some of your other things? Like, are there ways to sort of include a percentage of these things? Because they can't scale up that big and they probably don't want to just because there are vagaries within every season when you're growing grain. There's going to be higher protein content, lower protein content, different kinds of you know gluten behavior. In some of them, there was one batch that recently came from Meadowlark that Kirk said tasted like like had a cinnamon flavor to it. Like what? Wow! Just that season, and so it's really variable. So that's one of the challenges. Industrial things are designed to have make things very big and very same. And the thing with local grain is that it it's really variable. It has a lot of life and character is what Hallie Webking said at Meadowlark. It has a lot of life and character to it. So there are those challenges. And also there's a challenge of education because it's like if you want to become a CSA farmer, you want to be a vegetable farmer, you could apprentice yourself or you can you go work on a CSA farm. You can go work on an organic farm and learn how to scale that up. But a lot of that, like the places you would go to learn, the people who have been doing it, it's just not there. And Meadowlark folks might have seen those like gorgeously designed bags with all the creatures and animals on them. They're at the co-op and they sell at some farmer's markets, like really just beautiful packaging. Yeah, they're gorgeous. So Hallie and John met at, I think it's called Roberta's. It's a pizzeria in Brooklyn. They were both working in New York, uh, working in kitchens. They have experience with baking and that kind of chef side of things, the professional cooking side of things. But one thing that Hallie said when I was talking to her about, you know, this story was that Lonesome Stone made the space on grocery store shelves for Meadowlark to then take the place of because Meadowlark bought the equipment from Lonesome Stone when Gil retired. And they already had, there was an established relationship with the co-op. There was an established relationship with, you know, with Madison Sourdough and, you know, Stateline Distillery uses local grain and Giant Jones Brewing Company uses local grain. And then obviously Kirk at Origin, they had some of those relationships already there. 
And they could just sort of say, hello, you've been buying from Gil and now would you like to buy from us? And they haven't really had to make new approaches to people. But now with their increased milling capacity, they will. They're going to have to go around and say, knock, knock, would you like to buy our grain? <laughs> and beyond wheat, you know, white flour and wheat flour, what are some of the other grains that they're doing? So wheat is like a huge category, right, where there's heritage wheats. Um, heritage craft grains outside of Lodi is growing. There was one called like Altum Barbu, and there's like Ethiopian purple. So they're growing some fun wheats. But then there's also, I'm a big fan of buckwheat. Buckwheat is a gluten-free. It's a flour you can get, and uh, it is really nutty. Rye, I love in anything that has chocolate in it. I mean, people often think of rye in terms of like rye and caraway bread. And when people say they don't like rye bread, it's usually they don't like caraway seed or they don't like that, the caraway in that. But if you use just a little bit of rye and stuff, ooh, it's lovely. But yeah, it's gorgeous in bread. It's gorgeous in cookies. So good. It's March, folks. And in case you forgot, we live in Wisconsin. Although it's been an unusually warm winter, we can't guarantee we won't get more storms with challenging road conditions. Attorney Z. Usman with Usman Law wants to remind you of some of the winter rules of the road to help keep you safe. So remember, accelerate and decelerate slowly. Don't follow any car too closely. Avoid using cruise control, steer in the direction of a skid, and don't stop when going up a hill. If you are in an accident, call attorney Z. Usman. He's handled hundreds of insurance claims and can ensure you get everything you are owed. There are no upfront costs and no fee unless he is successful. Also, pro tip, don't negotiate with the insurance company on your own. Go visit madisonaccidentlawyer.com to schedule a free call with attorney Usman. So you mentioned there's like 200 local grains mills? 200 members of the Artisan Grain Collaborative, and that is across the Midwest. So a chunk of those is from Wisconsin, but not all of them. And so these are bakers, farmers, millers, all of the above? All of the above. Bakers, farmers, millers, brewers, people who are invested in the local grain chain. So it's farm to mill to producer. And why do you think that people are wanting to re kind of localize grain? Because you mentioned in the in the article that Wisconsin was actually a huge grain producer throughout our history, but we kind of lost that. We did. Then there are several reasons for that. So I went to a, a panel about local grain at UW last fall. And uh, Lauren Aspruth, who's a PhD who works specifically on this, gave like a little quick history lesson about why that went away. And it's because we decoupled livestock production from uh, crop production. So you used to have to grow grains for the cows and stuff that you're feeding and raising. And we we decoupled those two things so that they're they're kind of in different tracks, industrialized, right? We made corn really easy to grow or easier. So there were subsidies. There was a lot of research and development that went into corn production. And it just got to be more financially viable to grow corn and to grow soy than it was to grow small grains, just as farmers needed them less. So that kind of went down. But the resurgence in in wanting to grow more local grain 
is because a lot of times these things are these can be cover crops, right? So you can you can grow them at rotating times in your field, and it helps to restore the fertility of the soil. It it makes there be less erosion, so you're losing less soil, and it's all of these things that are very sort of good for like restoring the earth <laughs> writ large. Yeah, but also, as Kirk said, like these things are delicious. Like if, if it didn't taste good. <laughs> It would still be a hard sell, but because they do taste good, they are, I think, worth the investment of time and effort to figure out how to adapt to what local grades require of you if you're baking or you're brewing or you're distilling with them or you're making tortillas out of the corn. You you do have to be more adaptable because it's not as streamlined and industrialized, but there are all of these other benefits. Yeah, that makes me think of I have had various jars of all kinds of flour in my house. And I always feel like, ooh, do I know the right percentage to add so that I don't end up with that really heavy, dense brick at the end of the day? Um, where are people going to learn that kind of bakery end of it? I it's it's funny that you say that. I just made some fugas, which is a, it looks kind of like a leaf. They sell it at Batch Bakehouse. It's it's really pretty. And it, it looks, it's sort of like focaccia, but it's like in the leaf shape. Yeah. With olive oil and like herbs yeah. on top. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I put like olives in there too. And it was delicious. And I had put in a bunch of whole wheat flour. And I I think I put a little bit more than a quarter of the full, full flour. The recipe didn't call for it, but I was like, I got whole wheat. Like, why not? And then I started looking and I was like, I'm just going to like make sure that this is still going to rise. And it did, thank goodness. But I added too much because if you add too much whole wheat, like it won't rise like it's supposed to. And I didn't know that. So I'm going to do the thing that I do sometimes. And I'm going to hold up a cookbook, which you all at home cannot see. But it's called Mother Grains by Roxana Jolipat. It is wonderful. It came out, I think, in 2021. This book is excellent. I have made muffins out of here. I made scones out of here. Like there's a, a recipe for a babka that like I'm intimidated by, but I really want to try. And it's just beautiful stuff in here. And it's totally demystified. Like she will walk you through. This is the amount of percentage of like blue cornmeal that you want in these scones to make them beautiful and like work in this recipe. Maurice Cheeks was like, you just got to make the same loaf of bread like 10, 50 times. And then <laughs> you'll know exactly how the grains will behave. And I'm too scattered and curious for that I think like I can't force yeah I don't I'm not yeah I don't reread you know people reread books I don't do that I want to make new I want to try the next I want to try the new thing I'm with you like the idea of making the same recipe (laughs) over and over where's the fun in that no I want to try a new thing it's like I'm always doing that for dinner parties I'm like oh I want to make something I've never done before and maybe it'll make it really complicated yeah sure that sounds good (laughs) you're not supposed to but I always want to anyway and I'm like, I just want to try the new thing. And Mo Cheeks is, is, was a great interview for this piece because he, he has a nonprofit called Bread and Justice. And he's going to be able to expand from doing four loaves at a time to doing 12 loaves at a time, which is just amazing. Wait, at his house? At his house. He's, he's putting this new oven in his basement. Nice. And I'm, I'm like so happy for him. But I'm also like, sir, you have a job. Um, <laughs> this is so much work. Um, it's very impressive what he's doing. He gives all of the all of the proceeds to local nonprofits and things. I think Boys and Girls Club is one. And But anyway, he said there are families that come to him and say, I love Mo Bread. They love Mo Bread. Nice. <laughs> Which I think is really cute. 
But yeah, Mother Grains, Roxana Delapet is what I would recommend. See, we did get something out of the pandemic. We got a lot more bakers in the world. We did. We really did. So I also wonder about the gluten-free folks and what there is for them. I mean, the corn and the buckwheat, I think on one hand, this is like so much more fun than like the gluten-free flour mixes and things. Although those are great. I think those have come a long way, like mixes that you can use for things like pancakes and breads that are specifically designed because it's it's hard to do a one-to-one swap when you're baking gluten-free, right? Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, well, I'm going to put in rice bran flour. It, it, it's not going to do the things you want it to do. Two cups of chickpea flour. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You are going to have something else. But so that's really cool. But as Kirk Smock talks about at Origin, um, a lot of the gluten sensitivity um, folks think, and I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, but folks think a lot of the gluten sensitivity is connected to the basically the things that we're putting on the wheat, the industrial wheat, to make it more efficient and to make it more regular and commodified and whatever. Um, but that it has to do with like the pesticides and the other things that they're using in the fields that people are having a negative response to, a negative gut reaction. And that when you're having slow fermented sourdough with local grains or not, that that's going to, you're going to have less of a reaction to it. Um, my understanding also is that if you stopped eating gluten, that your gut becomes less able to handle it um, over time. But yeah, I think there's a lot of cool stuff locally that is good for gluten-free folks. Yeah. So where can folks find local grains or local flowers in Madison if they're looking to to try some more out? So that's the funny thing. So you can find them at like the Willie Street Co-op, for example. You can find them at like bakeries that use local grains. So Origin sells Meadowlark. Madison Sourdough sells grains that they mill there. Um, there are, you know, any sort of uh, what I think of as crunchy spots are going to have local grains. <laughs> Like the the funny thing to me is that you can't, I mean, sometimes um, like Hickory Hill will have local flour at the farmer's market, but for the most part, you don't see flour at the farmer's market because of the market rules, which are weird. <laughs> they're just weird. They're old and they're weird. And to change rules at the market, I think you probably know this pretty well. It takes a long time. And intense. Yeah. That is one of the most highly regulated markets in town. <laughs> Fun oh, yeah. fact. <laughs> Yeah. I talked to the woman who owns Stella's for this story just because I wanted to get the perspective of someone who's at the farmer's market, but who isn't isn't using local grains and hasn't really looked too much into it. And she was like, I don't even know where I would start. You know, we use local cheese and we use local butter. We use Wisconsin cheese and butter. But I don't know, like I get King Arthur, Sir Galahad, and that works great, you know, in the Stella's bread. And people who come to Stella's that to get the spicy cheese bread, they want to know why they can't buy a bottle of water there. And that's due to market rules, right? You can only sell things that you've made. But the idea of like making some kind of a rule that farmer's market bakers have to use a certain percentage of local grain, some people are like, yeah, that sounds great. And But there's more to it than just sort of making the rule. And even making the rule would take a really long time. So, so yeah. So what are you watching next in the local grain scene? Is it a scene? Can we call it, it a scene? It is a scene. Yeah. I feel like we're having a moment for bagels. Um, bagels are having a moment like there's Barrett's bagels, which is, I think, making a move into that East Main location there. They were over at the Monroe Street Farmers Market. Um, I impulse ordered while I was reporting the story uh, bagels from Mermaid Kitchen. The, the Mermaid best. bagels. 
And I got like the Levna, which is like this, you know, yogurt cheese. It's so good. It's so good. So I feel like bagels are having a moment. I'm very into bagels. Origin is making bagels now. There's just there's a lot of good bagels around. I'm very excited about that. And I am I'm also really excited to really shift um, my tortillas to things like Tortilleria, Zepeda, and some of these other local tortilla makers. There used to be none in Madison, and now there's like several doing like nixtamalized corn tortillas yes. that have so much flavor that are like colorful, have great like texture to them. They're like more pliable than like the the ones that you know you get from from Woodman's that don't even have to be refrigerated. Like, yeah, it's not even the same food. I have those too, but like not the same food. So I'm excited to like get really more into the, the fun, colorful, delicious tortillas. Well, Lindsay, I am now very hungry. Thank you so much. Wait, and before we go, anything you want to tell us about Top Chef? I am so excited about Top Chef. The trailer just dropped last week. Uh, there are cows within the first six seconds. Um, we love cows. The thing that we've been talking about with Top Chef in Top Chef Wisconsin is it feels like a reset season for the show. So if you've never watched Top Chef before, this is a perfect time to start and you don't need any background. I really think it's going to be an easy entry and it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to see a lot of places that we know. Are there fun cameos? Yes. The cameos are great. March 20th is the first episode launch. It's about a week or two later than I thought it would be. But I'm really excited. And then March 27th is Last Chance Kitchen starting up again. So we're going to be following that. Yeah. We're going to have uh, a little podcast about it where we're going to be interviewing people who are on the show. We're going to have recaps that you can read at captimes.com. Um, those will be available every Thursday morning after the show runs. And we also will be talking uh, behind the scenes stuff in the food newsletter, which is the corner table. We're going to have a lot of top shop coverage. Nice. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so fun. That's CityCast Madison's Molly Sense talking with Lindsay Christians, food editor for the Cap Times. If you'd like to read Lindsay's article on the growing local grain movement, check out our show notes for a link. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with... Someone who has a big idea they like to germinate. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then, take good care. Bye.